0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Whiskey Readers Podcast. My name is Jay, better known as Take as always, and I'm joined here by John. We have what may be, I don't want to call it the whiskey of the year, but certainly a whiskey a lot of people hope they saw coming. A lot of people like to think they like basically wish this product into existence. And this is a whiskey uh, that many people just never expected to see coming. Thankfully, we have a sample here. We are drinking it tonight on the Whiskey Readers Podcast. Thank you again for joining me. John, how are you doing? doing well.
1: I'm excited about this episode tonight. Uh, when you say that there are people who may have think or wished that they predicted this, I feel like I'm I'm that guy. I'm in that camp. <laughs> I wrote that post on TheBourbonFinder.com. You can read it in the past. I, I swear I'm not doing it right now.
0: I'm backdating it. <laughs> the Time Machine. Uh, what's the uh, Back to the Future of Maker's Mark Whiskey? This is, of course, a whiskey that if you know anything about whiskey, you have heard the internet rise up as one. Uh, with a varying Level of opinion, but this is certainly, I mean, this is probably the most interesting whiskey that has been dropped so far this year because it comes from a brand who has been so starkly focused on releasing the same kind of product for so long that this kind of bucks all of their standards. This is, of course, the seller age. This is a blend of 12 and 11 year makers' mark. It's aged for six years. In a Rick rickhouse and it's aged for six years more and they're uh i don't want to call it proprietary like caves are everywhere they have this little cave facility it's right. kind of cool it's kind of controlled all that cool stuff but um i mean this is just a whiskey that it's 12 years old makers has always said whiskey is perfect at six to eight years old i think they're pretty dead on the six to eight right or is it all six all eight
1: six ish i think is a fair way to put it
0: yeah so anyways i'm pumped about this i know you're pumped about this you're a big makers fan we have been covering them on the pod for a really long time, so I'm glad we have some of our today. earliest
1: reviews. Yeah,
0: yeah, and we uh we spent we spent many an hour with Jane <laughs> in her time. True, at yeah,
1: true, yeah. We and with uh, other folks on the makers team, actually. I mean, we've got to follow a lot of really cool progress from this brand, not just in the whiskey alone, some of their uh environmental initiatives too. It's been really cool to see. And as a hunter and conservationist, I like always kind of had that resonate with me. It didn't necessarily make the whiskey any better because you know, there's plenty of things that brands do that we do or don't like, right? But it certainly made the overall experience fun getting to work with their team and know more about them and share some of their great news. So that's been fun for sure. But I think one of the most fun things I could have ever asked of them is to just give the people what we've been craving, right? Like everybody has been saying, Give us aged makers, like, and I, like, I berated some of their folks for a time because. <laughs> They totally, like, it was a complete swing and a miss, or or maybe it wasn't even a swing, I don't know, just a fucking lapse of judgment on the 10-year anniversary of Makers 46 rolling around, and they put a 10, like, on the inside of the back label, so, like, through the bottle, you could see it, it, like, looked really cool, but it just meant, like, that it was their 10-year anniversary. I was like, come on, guys, like, this is when you release a 10-year product. Do it one time, and, like, be like, look, we think this sucks because it's older than six years, but if you guys like it, that's cool for you, like, just give it to us and
0: see how it goes. They have not been hurting for just the raw volume of opportunity to do something nutty, right? And it, it and it is something that both baffles me about Maker's Mark and also that I really do celebrate them is that like they have marched to the beat of their own drum forever. Like they they don't let the market decide when to do something crazy and cool and new. Like Van Winkle came out with really old weeders and Maker's Mark said nope six years is going to be good for us. And then like a while later made a French Oak finished no age statement whiskey called 46. And it's just fascinating to me that they've been so unwaveringly just kind of off in Loretto doing makers mark things. And now suddenly, you know, they didn't really even hint that this was coming. The first we all saw was the, uh, the TTV label and right, none yeah. of us really thought it was going to happen. And then boom, product exists and even before the actual launch date it's at distributors and bars like i had it a couple of weeks ago in kentucky and like bloggers couldn't even write about it yet because it was under embargo but the product was in front of me i paid the 30 bucks a pour for me and a buddy and like that is it's just like boom it happened it was there yeah i feel like makers
1: and wild turkey end up <laughs> seeming as though they are cut from the same cloth with the the pr things that i i mean i have to say that makers pr is a few light years ahead of campari's team that's managing wild turkey but man it's like it feels lately like there's only one or two major brands that seem to be able to put together an on-time
0: press release that combines with the actual product release right and it's it's fascinating to me too because like PR is not a one trick pony, but like when you are in like promotion and advertising, like it's kind of your one job when a new product's coming out, right? Like it's your job to tell people about it. You should make it happen (laughs) before the product comes out.
1: (laughs) It feels like it would behoove you to share the information, especially with the media side or enthusiast side of whatever hobby you're talking about. So that way the hype can then sort of reverberate without you having to dump like any more time or money into it get the result that you need which is people knowing about it so they can talk about
0: it so they will eventually buy it right and like not to beat the dead horse and we'll get on to the whiskey itself in a minute but i always laugh when brands like well we didn't know the distributor was going to release it now and we're like you know when it left your property like that to me is Correct. the day that you should really tell like start dropping your teasers and your press releases and be like it is out of our hands like it is up to so many other people to not screw up their one job like how right. would you waste that opportunity? Like you send it out to distributors, you put out the PR in the press release and like, let's drum up some attention and some excitement, but nope, they wait till it's out there and inevitably right. somebody always screws it up. And that's how we it's get not the embargo though... releases.
1: Exactly. And it's not as though the whiskey was made three weeks ago and they're rushing this out. Like mm-hmm. this stuff has been sitting around for a few minutes. You had time to get your due diligence and make your PR campaign ahead of time. Right. And like, we're obviously oversimplifying the you know, needs of a brand to market and get their product to market. But it would seem that if you're going to do something for the very first time with such a momentous release, maybe just get the press info out to like all the appropriate places first.
0: So that way the buzz is like truly in the air when this right. stuff starts hitting the shelf. And like, selfishly if you're a brand like you want this to be the hottest news on the block. Like you only waste opportunity by like constricting the amount of time you have to like brag that this thing is happening is happening. Um, but I mean, what really does matter is that it did happen. Like it's, it's it here it's in front it. of us and I've, I've got the weeest little bit left of my sample. Neither of us have bottles. I did a quick hitter video on the Raiders YouTube. I'm really looking forward to getting this a second time because it's got a little air, there's been a couple of weeks between when I first tasted it. Now you and I get to taste it together. I'm curious, what do you uh, what are you thinking so far? I know you're sipping and and oh, I don't yeah, want to I've been taint, sipping the whole time. Taint your brain here, but but tell me your thoughts, Mr. Maker's Man in Maine.
1: I mostly needed to mute myself after I took a first drink because I almost yelled <laughs> out, oh, Fuck that's good. But I didn't want to interrupt your train of thought. Anyway, my initial thought is fuck, that's good. I really dig it. Um, Big layers of vanilla and oak mixing with killer spice. And I've never got this level of spice from a uh, non-finished maker's product. You know, you could get some of the the same spice notes in there with some of the 46 or even with some of the private selects. But it's not like it's... This is in a totally different nerve for me in a
0: great way. I am with you. I... I love that there's spice, but then it backs off at the exact right moment, so on the nose for me, it does smell older, but it doesn't smell oakier in like a big way like it is it is drier, there's a little more tannin, but like the nose for me is something I could probably just sit around and smell for a really long time.
1: agreed this is man, yeah, I guess I could see how man, it's funny to me to think about this in terms of like forty six which sort of brings in that darker, richer profile that you wouldn't catch necessarily in the lighter cask strength that is the fruitier, uh, sweeter vibe. And thinking of this as the big brother to all of that without even being finished is pretty crazy to me. I really... I think the finish on this is killer. It's absolutely just like checking off a lot of boxes in a row. I mean, it's got everything from a good coating on the palette, which makers, again, not that they do a great job of advertising this but doesn't chill filter any of their whiskey so you're gonna get all those fatty acid esters and everything like it's just all you get all of that good stuff that you ask for as an enthusiast but they don't make a big deal of it's just like this little skinny label that looks very elegant it's just like <laughs> seller aged you got this bro what I
0: think it's is good. really cool nice. is is the writing on the right side that looks like a signature is like actually in Boston raised like it's gorgeous Oh,
1: weird it does look like writing
0: yeah and it is it's, it's like it clearly they took someone's signature or someone's handwriting and that they made that the mold for it but like you pick up that bottle and like it has a lot of weird little nuance and then yeah and then i forget the maker's mark is like oh yeah by the way we never chill filter like you're welcome yeah
1: by the way uh you already liked this about us but we just never told you about it so enjoy. yeah i mean yeah there's great flavors here though going back to the actual whiskey
0: yeah, the whiskey itself. I what I thought was most interesting to me, and like I was curious if it would go away or if it would amplify or for a change. And like, thankfully, th- this has only gotten bigger. If that makes any sense, like it's bigger, it's sweeter. There is more oak, but it's it's like a sweet oak. It's more like a parchment and tobacco instead of like a big nasty bitter, dry, peppery funk bomb. But the spices there on the back, and and if anything, the fruits died down a little to make this just like a creme brulee dream. Like it is very brulee. Brule. It
1: is Brûlée-ish or whatever it was that we should have about
0: that. Max Brûlée.
1: Done. Brûlée level 99. I I really dig the darker profile to it. Um, this I was not expecting to get that incredible level of spice out of this. It's really cool. It really rounds it out for me, whereas like I feel like on sometimes things like Bernheim mm. end up leaving me being like, I really like everything that I'm tasting, but I feel like if it had this other component to it it would like set this off for me mm-hmm. sort of like some of the uh oh like the american whiskey or light whiskey releases that we've seen from uh, a handful of brands where they're delicious in what they do like the, you know they scratch a, a certain itch in that alone right but they're really good in what they do i feel like sometimes you need that extra thing to pull it in and this has that whatever you, however you would quantify that i suppose. For me, it's like I, I really need to either have that extra kick of mouth feel or a good backbone or spice to it to kind of pull everything together. And holy shit, does this do it nicely. And then
0: there's also like just big vanilla notes in there too that I think work so good. Yeah. I I do think that their choice to do six years of traditional Rickhouse aging and then six years of cellar aging really... You know, a lot of people I've seen on the internet have been like, ooh, what a gimmick. Like, oh, it's so silly. But like I really do think that that was valuable and was kind of like a big part of the dna of this whiskey because it does have it has those classic maker's notes but then it definitely it's getting more of that slow aging kind of profile right like it's not getting drier and hotter and more ethanol forward and like woody and barrel charish. like it's getting sweeter and more balanced and uh, you know i don't know that i would really say this tastes like a 12-year bourbon and to me Or I guess eleven years since that's the youngest in the mix, like an eleven to twelve bun. But to me, I I think that's really just a really a pro. Like I, you know, kind of orthogonal to you. Like I haven't been standing around being like, man, I wish we got a twelve year makers. Like I am, I've been like, I'd love an eight to ten or just something, you know, just just a little, "Mm," like a little more. Give me like a seasonal limited that's just a tiny bit older. Um, But they, I think they really just did a good job. Like this is not too okie for me whatsoever.
1: Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. When I first noticed this, I was thinking like, okay, well, this definitely has that, you know, dark like Madagascar style vanilla, um, almost like a like toasted chicory. There's like this like rich, dark background of like, not quite burnt sugar, but like, you know, is there's something in there like that. Sure. And sometimes when I start picking up on those is when we have something that is a little bit higher age that starts to scare you off with that extra oak. (laughs) <laughs> and so, when I first was nosing this, I was like, this could be pushing it. This is like not quite Russell's 13 oak, but not entirely too far off. But when I tasted it, I was like, oh shit, this is like way desserty and awesome. And then, holy fuck, I got kicked in the face by a mule that was covered in spice. Right. And I. Oh, yeah, all good.
0: I think what I'm most excited about is now this opens the door for something else I've wanted desperately. And before we just had Bernheim. And Maker's Mark. Well, I guess Bernheim can be on its own for today. At first, we okay. had Larceny and Maker's Mark. And then we got Maker's Mark has strength and Larceny barrel proof, which is cool. But now we have Maker's Mark uh, seller aged, which means I really hope that we get like a Larceny barrel proof plus. It doesn't need to be 12 years old, but like if they just made that a tiny bit older, I think that Larceny would be on the map for so many people, especially because I feel like. On on just a regular old day of the week, more people pay attention to Heaven Hill special releases than Maker's Mark, and and, and make no no bones about it. Like clearly, Maker's Mark Cellar Aged is totally just upending whiskey enthusiasts everywhere. Like it is the talk of the town. I haven't had it, someone even asked me about Antique Collection yet. Like this yeah, is we are days away from the announcement at usurping like the hold that Van Winkle and Antique Collection have on the whiskey enthusiasts, and everyone is just talking about Cellar Aged. Like. I was in Kentucky and every every single person I talked to was like, Oh, have you tried Cell Rage yet? You know, and it was just like the talk of the town. And that to me is cool. Like Makers is back. Like they're trying something different, they're trying something cool. And most importantly, like the whiskey's good.
1: Yeah, it's damn good, actually. I'm really impressed by this. I I can't wait for when it gets to Maine in like seven years, so I can actually buy one.
0: <laughs> when one and a half bottles make it to Maine.
1: Yeah. Well, there was gonna be three, but one disappeared and one broke. So there's really only one. So hopefully you're ready for it.
0: Yeah, one in seven years I think is a good one. I do want to ask you a question though before we kind of sign off on this one. And I wanted to wait until the end because I think it's really important because you and I try and talk very little about this actual feature, but what do you think of the price? Like the the, the suggested retail is about one fifty. I've seen it everywhere from like one fifty to one ninety-nine, just kind of normally. Do you think an 11 and 12 year makers should be commanding that kind of price? Yeah, I think it's
1: fair anyway. I don't know. I guess it's tough for me to say from the perspective of the brand, how they should price it. But from my perspective as a consumer, we've seen their price sort of creep from the 25 to 30 ish for their flagship product into, you know, a few bucks more for the cask and then a few bucks more for 46 and then for private selections and the wood finishings here. So like, I feel like we've seen the, not necessarily that the goalposts are moving, but I just feel like they're getting a little bit more accurate with the market as it's grown so much. Uh, it is the most expensive maker's product I'm aware of. So oh, having yeah. some, having something jump that high, I guess they're doing a couple of things. They're making a statement. They're saying we have made this and we feel like it is good which sort of cripples their old stance of it's best at six ish years or whatever, but that's fine. Moving forward, our new products are going to be premium. They're going to be price premium. And I feel like no matter what they do, they're going to sell this thing out. So they could have, okay, okay. I'm getting too far ahead. What I want to say is from this (laughs) point, they have to now hopefully break the mold of my comparison. Going back to the Campari side of things is we've seen masters keep from the wild Turkey portfolio increase in price every single year for the last five years. That to me is getting to the point where people who would normally have lined up for a wild Turkey release, are saying like, why does this cost so much more than when you did a 17 year bottle and bond? Like there's no way this costs you more to make, you know, right. so there's like a little bit of that. Are we just capitalizing in the market or are we making the best choice for our brand? And I feel like makers might be able to tie it a little bit better to keeping on brand for themselves. So I think 150 is fair. Coming back to answer your actual question. Um SRP is 150 as it was listed in the press release. So if you're paying much more than that, you're either in a market that is just extremely competitive and you're going to have to pay to play. Or you're getting host.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I uh personally I found some people that were like, I will never pay more than a hundred bucks for makers. And I thought you know, that's kind of silly too. Like that's almost as antiquated as like we will only make a 6-year bourbon. And if they're only going right. to make a 6-year bourbon, yeah, I agree. Like you should probably not pay $150 for a 6-year bourbon, but you know, to me it it kind of it felt okay. And I just don't know if that's because you and I drink enough expensive whiskey these days, which is certainly a privilege and something that I love about the time we get to spend together talking about whiskey, but overall I thought you know, this is twice as old as most of their product and it costs money to take up, like they don't have that much space in that little, that cave that they usually, because that's usually where the private selects, you know, they get rolled into right. and they do their aging. So like this is taking away from some of that. And like this feels, you know, it's a lot of money, but it feels very fair, especially when I, I turned around just a couple weeks ago in Jacksonville and I bought a Master's Keep Voyage for two, no, for three Three twenty-two after tax, and like tax yep. is a little high there. But like, I thought, man, this is this is twice as good as that. I think I would rather have two of these than one of those. And like, that is a very market increase. And and you know, I bet we'll see this stay the same. Like they haven't really risen prices on any of their other products. But I thought like this is a new frontier for Maker's Mark in just about every way possible.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a really that's a good headline, and it makes a lot of sense to look at it from that perspective it's it's good with a new product like this where we have the press information and we know what the actual srp is to discuss right. the price and the value of it like you mentioned that's not something we dive into a lot and part of that is just that i find that price is nearly as subjective as flavor right like or value because this, right like perceived value. sure exactly yeah perceived value like if i get this bottle for 60 bucks but you and your market can't find it for under 100 And I'm like, oh man, it's too bad because I drink like six of these a year. I love them. I think they're really good. (laughs) I would never pay for six of those. That's stupid. And then it's like, okay, but we're not talking about how the whiskey tastes anymore. And that's why I said, I just like, I don't take value or price or anything into consideration. I can't because it's just, I feel like it's too messy and it's not a great metric for understanding how good the whiskey is or is not. But in this case, knowing what it is right off the bat, I think is also helpful to everybody across the board because then the educated consumer can just look at the press release and say, oh, well, shit, if they said the SRP is 150 on this and, you know, a couple bucks markup, I can understand in a state where that's allowed, you know, 175 or something like that. Like, I feel like that's still trying to be reasonable and still trying to make it work for a business. Whereas places where you'll see this on the shelf for 300 plus bucks, I feel like, Yeah, they might have missed the mark on that one.
0: Yeah. And I I think this kind of harkens back to something you and I talked about a long time ago. It was like, it's our job to tell people if the whiskey's good. It's up for people to decide if it's good enough to spend money on. You know, because everyone, everyone's situation is different. Most importantly, everyone's market's different. Like the S in SRP is suggested because that's the best thing the manufacturer can do because they don't actually have any control over the distributor or the retailer. (laughs) So it's kind of a farce, anyways. But at 150 I mean, I'm on record saying I'd pay up to $199 for this. I think it's really good. And most importantly, I think it's really special. We don't know if Maker's Mark, like they say they're going to continue to do it, I believe. They don't say they're not going to continue to do it, but we don't know that. And who knows? Maybe they'll do it every five years or something. Like this is special whiskey and a special time for makers. And I think that that's worth a couple bucks more. I'm with you on that. I don't have anything else that I could add that's going to make any more sense than that. All right. That's the best endorsement for something I've said in a long time. I think that's a good point for us to, uh, to wrap on up, but overall, I mean, I think that this is good whiskey. It's cool whiskey. It's new whiskey. It's something that none of us really had on our bingo card for the year. And, and in, in summary, like I think that's cool. So I don't know if you have any closing thoughts on the whiskey itself, but good whiskey, big fruits, big vanilla, big, big spice. It's cool stuff.
1: Yeah. It's kick-ass whiskey for sure. I can't wait to taste this a little bit more and, Start writing up a formal review on this one because this is, like you said, this is special. I am definitely excited to see one of these under the Christmas tree in like six years when it gets the main.
0: (laughs) Well, in 2030, this is going to taste great in Maine. But in the meantime, guys, you can find John's review at the bourbonfinder.com. He's writing there. We aggregate him over on Whiskey Raiders. And I am Jay, better known as Take, as always, from Whiskey Raiders.com. Guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Whiskey Raiders podcast. I'm going to go back to sipping this beautiful whiskey, but you can catch all of our reviews and episodes at WhiskeyRaiders.com, and we will catch you in the next podcast episode. We've got plenty of cool whiskey. The fall season is on us, so join us back here. We'll be talking, I think, about some pretty big stuff next week as well. So cheers, y'all. Cheers.